Welcome back to the Mel K show. There is one person out there that has inspired me and taught me more than almost anyone else. And I'm so excited to have him back today. Welcome to the show, Alex Newman. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Mel. Thank you, sir. I am, uh, you know, it's so funny. I tell people I've been doing this for about three and a half, four years, but I've been following you a long time. And you're the only person in this whole movement that I saw at an event like three years ago. And I was like, it's Alex Newman. I was, oh my God. And people were like, what are you doing? And I said, there's really nobody that has taught me more. And you continue to uh, surpass all expectations of being a true hero, not just for our country, but especially for our children. And you have a great new book out that everyone should be buying and, and sharing and sending to their friends that don't know what's happening to their children uh, called Indoctrinating Our Children to Death. So I wanted to first and foremost uh, have you tell anyone in my audience that might not know you a little bit about your background and then get into the book, why you wrote it and why it's so important right now. Uh, well, thank you so much for the kind words, Mel. You are very sweet, and I appreciate so much all that you do. So it's it's really a tremendous honor that uh, the information I put out there has been useful to you. So thank you. Um, the book is Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, uh, Government Schools, War on Faith, Family, and Freedom, and How to Stop It. And I wrote it because about a decade ago, uh, it dawned on me. I, I was working on uh, another book related to education with Dr. Sam Blumenfeld. So I was really in the weeds on this. I was studying Common Core, trying to expose that. And it dawned on me that this is the most important issue. Um, and it's also one of the toughest issues to get people to talk about because the government school system is so incredibly powerful. This is a, a trillion dollar a year monster. Everybody is connected to it somehow, right? Either their children are in it or their their aunt teaches there or their their grandpa uh, was a principal or you know their kid plays on the local football team. Everybody's connected to it somehow. Uh, the vast majority of Americans have gone through it. And so it's a very, very difficult subject to talk about. But it is, I believe, the most important one, because this is the one this is the issue where if we don't get it right on this, we're going to lose on every single issue. There's no other issue where like the consequences are irreversible. You can never undo the damage except this one. So we, we talk about the border. We talk about the gun rights. We talk about free speech. You know, all of those things can be undone. What we can't undo is multiple generations of dumbing down and indoctrinating our children. And right now, depending on what state you're in and depending on whose numbers you believe, they've got about 80%, in some states it's even more, of children for at least 13 years, five days a week, eight hours a day, and they are deliberately turning them against God, turning them against their parents, turning them against their country, turning them against the principles that underpin not just America, but Western civilization. Uh, and they're doing it deliberately and they're dumbing them down so that they can't ever say, well, hmm, maybe I was misled. Maybe I should read something. Right. So so all of this is happening. And if we lose on this, all those other issues, it, we're, we're just delaying the inevitable by a little bit. So we must get this issue. We must get it right. We must uh, take it seriously, because if we lose here, we're going to lose everything. Yeah, and it's very sad. This uh, Department of Education that you're talking about and the amount of money that they have and that they put into all these districts all over. And when I've talked many times on my show, once once any state is taking money from the Department of Education, the Department of Education becomes uh, outlandishly powerful in, in that state, in that community. And a lot of people don't realize uh, our states don't have to do that. 
uh, but they do, and that's the model. And so what we are dealing with now is also a, a situation where people need to understand that their taxpayer dollars are actually being used to fund their children being so misled and walking essentially into a future of uh, of dependency that they will never get out of. So a little bit about how the local community really needs to wake up and realize their power in the situation, uh, especially. Yeah, you, you bring up a very important point, and that is, you know, the federal government started early 1960s. The first time they really got involved was when they kicked God and the Bible and the Ten Commandments and prayer out of school. Uh, that process began in 1962. Right after that, we started federal funding of schools, the ESEA. It started small. It was just a camel's nose under the tent. And, of course, then we got Common Core. Now we've got the UN in our classrooms moving rapidly toward a one-world uh education system that is actually preparing children for global serfdom really under a one world totalitarian system. And, and that's all documented, by the way. I know it sounds a little bit outlandish, but it's true. Yeah. Um. And, and you're right. States are not required to take federal money. There are a few states now that are considering cutting the federal funds. Uh, Tennessee has just created a committee to explore that. Oklahoma, uh, South Carolina, a number of states are looking at that. But one of the things that I do in the book, too, is I go back even before all of this, because Americans don't have a point of reference. And and this is one of the most common misconceptions I hear is, you know, from older Americans. Well, when I went to school, it was a good education. Well, compared to what they're giving the children now, yeah, you might call that a good education. But compared to what education looked like before the government got involved in the first place, you know, you go back to the early 1800s, in some places, even the early 1900s. Right? Most Americans' children were not in public schools until after World War One. So it's a very recent phenomenon that the government has taken over educating our children. And the evidence is overwhelming. Americans were the best educated people on the planet, bar none, not even a close second, at any time in human history. There was never a people who were so educated. We had universal literacy in cities like Boston and Philadelphia. I mean, everybody could read. Uh, today, according to the federal government's own data, less than half of adults even read at a, at a proper level. The vast majority of people are, are essentially functionally illiterate. You look at their data on children, less than one third of the children are even proficient in anything in math, English, writing, science, history, civics, you name it. So this is it's a cataclysm that's happening here. And when you look at the history of this, that, that's what's so amazing to me, Mel, is that people don't know this. The first guy to seriously propose that the government ought to educate our children, this was early 1800s, was a communist. The guy who imported the system from Prussia after it took root there was a communist. The guy who took this system and weaponized it against us was a communist, John Dewey. This is a guy who went to the Soviet Union and couldn't stop talking about how amazing it was. So he teamed up with the super capitalists, if you will, the Rockefellers. He had communists and insider super capitalists teaming up to create a system that would turn out dumbed down, indoctrinated children that would be against God, against the Bible, against uh, their country, against their families. So this was all by design and it happened slowly. It, it, each generation got worse and that's why people don't have the reference point. But uh, folks, what has happened to us is one of the biggest crimes ever perpetrated against people in the history of humanity. Yeah, and it, it's absolutely true. Now, there is a uh, misconception out there about something that is going on. I think maybe people don't fully understand. We have the globalist UNESCO, the world curriculum, pushing our kids towards like learning nothing except for the narrative that these people want to create. And so that there's no ingenuity, no creativity, no entrepreneurship, no bucking the system, 100% subservience to a government uh, as it is. There's also another movement out there that has been really infiltrating our, uh, especially our 
our colleges of education on the highest level, uh, from Columbia all the way down to the local community college uh, education for teachers. And, and I think people don't fully understand that there is a whole movement and they are actual socialists. They truly do not, these are not people that are aligned with the Great Reset. They're a whole different breed of people and they have a whole different groups of programs like Rethink Education and all, and all these fast track groups. And they're actually coming out of the universities educated by these great universities getting degrees in education and then spreading throughout the country. And their whole goal is the mission of um, of socialism, Marxism, where children belong to the community. There is no private property, including your children. So a lot of people see this thing and they think, well, this parental rights thing, that can't be real. It's not only real. They are training teachers and then putting them out there, especially through these NGOs and stuff that actually believe that. You're absolutely right, Mel. And uh, they are teaching children this. They are teaching children to look at the government as the one to protect them from their parents. right? And they're, they're doing this very blatantly. Uh, I'll give you one example of how they've started doing this recently. They tell the children that they might have been born in the wrong body. They can choose their pronouns. But you, know, you can't talk to your parents about these things because your parents are old fashioned minimos and, and they're not going to get it. But, you know, we respect your pronouns. So we'll hide this off from your parents. And so they are setting themselves up now as the protectors of children. Uh, we're at the point now, I've started calling the public schools uh, parental replacement centers. Uh, they're now in charge of the mental health, the, right. the dental health, your your nutrition, right? In, in a lot of cases, they're feeding children breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, all, all that's left is the, the good night stories and the bedtime hugs, and uh, pretty soon they'll be taking those away too. And they're saying this. Uh, Secretary of Miseducation for seven years under Barack Obama was asked. Uh, he said, we want some of these children 24-7. Those were his words. The right. rest of them ought to be in the schools for 13, 14, 15 hours a day so that we can give them after-school programming. Um, you have Joe Biden coming out and saying that the children don't belong to you. They belong to all of us. It's like, no, Joe Biden, stop sniffing the kids. They don't belong to you, right? This is pretty simple. Uh, the current Secretary of Miseducation, uh, Miguel Cardona, was asked in a, a recent Senate hearing, uh, whether parents could be the primary stakeholders in the education of their children. And, you know, first of all, Mr. Cardona, I'm not a stakeholder in the education of my children, right? I am in charge of the education of my children along with my wife. And, and that's not something that we're willing to uh, include other stakeholders in. If we delegate some of those authorities and responsibilities to others, that's within our purview because we are the only stakeholders in the education of our children along with our children. So uh, he actually responded. This was mind blowing. So, well, parents are important stakeholders, but really educators, professional educators. So they don't believe that parents ought to be involved. Um, they're coming after parental rights. Uh, and this is all very strategic. They're, they're using um, manipulation. They're using emotional conditioning. They're using every tool in their arsenal to turn children away from their parents and toward government. And you're right. Socialism is the agenda, and it's been very effective. You, you, uh, you're probably a, a millennial male like me. Uh, they did a, a scientific survey just recently, and they found that 70% of our generation of millennials say they're fine with socialism and they're going to be voting for socialism in the future. Less than half of millennials today identify as Christian. Uh, this was all deliberate. This was all brought about by design by socialists and by communists from the very, very beginning. 
Yeah, and this uh, administration also uh, impl implemented things that you were talking about way before it happened, but uh, most people don't know and they should really be aware of is this mental health takeover. And a lot of people, the way that they present it is they present everything in inverted language that doesn't really say what it means. And then, you know, they putting it into action is something totally different than what you're told. But they wanted to do outreach. We know about social emotional learning and all of that. What a lot of parents don't know is that they have put counselors in schools all over the country. First of all, these counselors are not coming from a place of, you know, they want to make sure all the kids get along. There's no bullying. It's not about that, A. And B, a lot of these counselors are also aligned with Planned Parenthood. So they are putting them in schools. I believe that, that the number that they were proposing was 60,000 counselors. Meanwhile, they're not hiring new, and they're actually getting rid of actual teachers. So what is this move to move this kind of mental health thing, because I also saw in all of this stuff coming out of the Department of Education that it will also lead to being able to give psychiatric drugs to children in school again without par parental notification or education. Yeah, and, and that's what's going on right now, Mel. In fact, uh, the state of Illinois and other states are now moving very rapidly toward mandatory mental health screening of every single child. And so there are several interests that are converging here. Of course, Big Pharma right. wants more customers. And they figure, hey, if we screen everybody and we use these, you know, people don't understand about the psychiatric industry. This is not like a normal medical field where, you know, you have an objective diagnostic test. You do an x-ray, you see a broken bone, you do a blood test, you see an elevated white blood cell count, nothing like that, right? These guys get, get together and they vote on stuff. Uh, oh, the kid fidgets in his chair. Let's call that a disease. Let's make up a label for it and let's list the symptoms. Fidgets in his chair, doesn't like to pay attention in school. We'll call it a mental disorder and then we'll treat it with speed, right? Crystal right, meth. Exactly. We'll call it Adderall or whatever. Um, absolutely crazy. So the big pharma companies love this, right? They're, they're buying up legislators like trading cards. And then the legislators say, oh, the federal government's going to pay. They're going to have Medicaid and, and come in here and pay for all these clinics. So they're turning our children into guinea pigs. There's an even more insidious element, too, in that they're using this mental health agenda to try to further indoctrinate children. So they want people, and this is eventually the long-term goal, very much like what they, they did in the Soviet Union. They want to label opposition to their plan as a mental disorder, just like they did in the Soviet Union. Well, you still cling to these primitive ideas about God and created you and God-given right. rights. You're some kind of lunatic. We need to put you on drugs that'll functionally, you know, give you a lobotomy and turn you into a zombie. So it, it's hard to overstate the danger of this. They're also using it as a pretext, Mel, you know, to gather unfathomable amounts of data on your child. They brag. They're getting hundreds of data points on every child. They're doing these super intrusive surveys. How does your dad talk to your mom? What kind of food do you have in the refrigerator? Does anyone smoke in your house? Um, you know, how many sex partners have you had in the last? two months, you know, they're asking 11 year old kids like, oh, is that normal? So right. they're gathering all this data and then they're using that. They're going, sending it through the algorithms, pumping it out through the devices. And then they're using that to determine what is working and what is not in terms of indoctrinating these children and then perfecting their methods for brainwashing your kids. Yeah, don't forget that in socialism, uh, folks, the, the state tells you what you're going to do with your life. The, the, the whole point is that the state appoints you a job and a career path. So there's another aspect to this, too, is they're also looking for who's going to do what, and then they'll push them in that path rather than giving the child or the parents and the child the opportunity to find their, their own goal, to find their own purpose. They're, they're, it's a whole indoctrination situation. Now, you've also covered a lot, and I know you do in the book, the new uh, the new 
climate change uh, education model, they, these, these, um, this entire thing, which is doing two things. It is terrifying children and making them fear that uh, the climate emergency is going to get them. So they're already in a suggestible state by what they're teaching them about this. But this is also, they're pushing it to replace science. Uh, to replace actual science, like, like, you know, we had earth science when you and I were in school, we had biology, chemistry, you know, as you worked up. This is a whole new science that is, as you have put it out on many shows that you talk about this topic, uh, that is not science. And, and a lot of it is about indoctrination, as you talk about as well. So what is the climate agenda in schools? And what does that look like for parents that might not know it? And they still think it's earth science or something. So the same people that brought you Common Core, think Bill Gates, Barack Obama, the United Nations, a bunch of obscure special interest groups. They also brought you something called the Next Generation Science Standards. I call them the Next Generation Pseudoscience Standards. And these are broadly in use all across the country. Not every district and not every state has adopted them yet, but the textbook publishers are now aligning themselves with these standards. So this is now ubiquitous, uh, very much aligned with the international level as well. And uh, it's amazing now because 12 years, these children will be learning science and they'll never once hear the term scientific method, which is really interesting because that's oh, like wow. the, the most foundational element right. of science, right? The reason why they don't teach them the scientific method is quite simple. They would know that the idea that CO2 is a pollution, the gas we exhale is pollution, is not science. It's, it's totally preposterous, fake hypothesis that is e easily discredited. They'll know that the idea that there are infinite genders is totally pseudoscientific and ridiculous. So you can't have children actually thinking like scientists, like the great scientists like Isaac Newton, because they'd know that this whole thing is a fraud. So in place of science, they're doing now uh, very strategic indoctrination on the climate front, on the gender front, making them think that uh, they came from slime over billions of years and that there is no God involved, that, yep. that Christianity is silly. And, and I want to touch briefly, too, on something that you said about the central planning, because th this is a point worth exploring. And it's a point that very few people understand, but it's a point that we have a lot of documentation on. Uh, what you just described is exactly what they're doing, Mel. They want to learn everything they can about your child. They're vacuuming up all this data. And I've got the U.S. Department of Education reports. I quote them extensively in the book where they were bragging 10 years ago that they're going to take all this data on your children. They're going to feed it through their algorithms. Now we've got AI to help this process. And they say in their own U.S. Department of Education reports, they're going to use this to predict the future behaviors interests and skills of your children. So if it turns out, if the system determines that your child is going to grow up to be a conservative or a Christian or a patriot or somebody who doesn't like the Great Reset, uh, they are not going to be allowed to go practice law. They are not going to be allowed to get into journalism or even teaching because they might infect children with their subversive ideas. So this is happening already in a lot of countries with the social credit score in China that is now beginning at the earliest years. This is what they're going to bring to America if we don't stop this. And their documents are crystal clear on this. They refer to your children as human capital and human resources. Uh, it's sick. It's disgusting. It denies the individuality and even the humanity of these children. And yet this is the plan. Yeah. And and the, like you said, this is the great part about these people. They don't hide it. They, you and I both read a lot of their documents. Most people would fall asleep. But for me, I, I read them like 
oh my, with my head in my hands thinking is how can this be real and how can they put it out there so in your face? But that's like part of what they do to begin with. Now you brought up um, the books and the book publishing and the people that control the books. This is a big deal because during Barack Obama, a lot of people were pointing to, well, you know, there was like some kind of $300 million deal with Pearson Publishing and Macmillan. And then there was a whole rewrite of all of our history books. And people were kind of looking at, oh, they're just updating them. That is not what they were doing. And a lot has to do with the textbooks themselves. My my parents are in a group in Florida of grandparents that go and they go through textbooks. That's like what they do to be involved. And my father was doing this and he was like, you won't even believe what there's. I mean, just it's totally ludicrous. Of course, the 1619 Project and all that has been incorporated. But um, parents should really be if they are keeping their children, we'll get into other options in public schools and honestly private schools because they're getting teachers from the same indoctrination camps at, of the college education schools into the, the private school. So that's not even really a safe solution. But again, the textbooks are, are rewritten and, and people have to understand these are not the textbooks that you and I grew up with that, you know, it was like civics and then it was American history, then world history, then you're in 11th grade and you're going into humanities. No, no, no. That's not what's going on with our textbooks themselves. If there are them, because a lot of these textbooks have been done away with and they're just giving out like literally a uh, worksheets. <laughs> yep. And they're moving a lot of this to like tablets and laptops so that the parents can't look through these textbooks. Uh, and, and really, they've they've moved beyond just having goals about what they want to teach children in terms of academics. I mean, yeah, they're teaching radically fake history, but they've also now moved in, in a new direction where they talk about what they call the effective domain. They're talking about the attitudes and the values that children hold. And so they set standards and expectations on that front. So the goal of the textbook is not necessarily for the child to have a good understanding of what led to the American War for Independence. It's to make the child, quote unquote, have empathy, right? Which sounds nice. Every parent says, oh, I want my child to have empathy. Who wouldn't want their child to have empathy? But then when you dig down a little bit further, you realize for them, empathy means supporting abortion, supporting open borders, supporting uh, global government, supporting dismantling the Western economies for climate change. So they have a totally different understanding of what empathy means than any normal person would. So they choose these objectives. And let's just say, hypothetically, empathy is the goal. Um, believing in abortion up until the ninth month of pregnancy is part of having empathy. Right. Then they get these uh, things on the tablets for the children where they put them, uh, they expose them to certain situations. And they actually have, in the, and the same uh, documents I was talking about earlier that talk about how they're going to use this data to make predictions about the children's future behavior and interests. They talk about the different technologies they're using. They have now, and they have had in federal programs for over a decade, what they call a facial expression monitor. And so this is a camera that picks out what is happening with your face as you're exposed to different stimuli. So you think you're just sitting there playing with your laptop, doing a fun school homework assignment. You're just using your tablet. Well, the camera is picking up on the different facial expressions that you're making as you're being exposed to different stimuli. So maybe um, you, know, you, you get a little storyline about some girl and it's a sad situation and she wants to abort her child. And you hear the word abortion and you make a face like, oh, no, that's not good. My parents told me abortion wasn't good. Well, the system determines, whoa, this child is not reaching the proper goals for social emotional learning, we've got to loop back around and stage an intervention here. So all of this is working together to radically manipulate what's going on in the minds of children. And it's the textbooks and it's everything else, right? The, the SATs have now been aligned with the Common Core. The ACT has been aligned with the Common Core. Everything is being aligned to this global standard, right? And the Common Core people were open about the fact that these line up with international standards. Everything, the textbooks, the, the worksheets, the testing, 
all of it is being aligned to this global standard. And uh, your children, of course, are the victims. Yeah. And they're also putting the storyline out there, which is total fraud, that um, if you don't want to be a global citizen and you still want to be an American citizen, something is very wrong with you and you're not a good person because uh, the way that they've uh, you've done it better than anyone. But I talk about it a lot as well, too. This whole uh, global governance thing that, you know, they've changed the name a thousand times, but it goes back, obviously, to Rockefeller, Chris Kissinger, Brzezinski, the whole plan and a hundred year plan is where we're going into their great reset. But the, the concept of global citizen sounds really good on on paper, people still think, oh, the UN, they're all about, uh, you know, get everyone getting along, kumbaya, they don't, a lot of people don't get it. But teaching our children that being a global citizen, and then if you, if you say, I'm proud to be an American, that then they tell children, well, then you're an isolationist. You're, you know, you don't even know what you're talking about. Then, then you want America to be cut off from the rest of the world or, or America first, God forbid, means that uh, you have been raised wrong because you don't understand how the world works. We need to be all global citizens. And this is a very confusing thing for children. Um, and then they're shamed if they, if they still want to stick to their idea as they were raised by their parents that they're proud to be American is becoming a, a talking point in school as like, oh, well, well, then you really don't understand anything because that's not the right right way to think hey mel k here beverly hills precious metals is my preferred choice for gold and silver head on over to the mel k show partners page and click on the tab for beverly hills precious metals silver and gold are god's money they're a great way to fight against inflation and keep your hard-earned savings safe with the national debt out of control runaway government spending and printing inflation continues to soar Beverly Hills Precious Metals can help you shield your wealth from volatility in the markets. Protect yourself today. Go to the MelKShow.com partners page. Click on Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Fill out the form and let's get started. Protect yourself, protect your family and protect your future. So you mentioned the socialists earlier. I've got a whole chapter in there about how they brought the Frankfurt School over. These were actual communists. This was a movement organized by the Comintern, by the, the, the International Alliance of Communist Parties, controlled by the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. So they, they, they set up in Frankfurt and then they were imported into the United States through Columbia University by John Dewey, right. by the Rockefeller clan, uh, who, of course, are, are globalists as well. And this whole idea of global citizenship was born and also this whole idea of critical theory. So they recognized that we weren't going to have another Bolshevik revolution. The, the whole idea that society was divided up into the oppressed workers and the, the rich bourgeoisie just wasn't going to fly in a country like the United States or even in most of Western Europe. So they, they went back to the drawing board and they came up with the idea of critical theory. We're going to find new ways to divide society up into oppressor and oppressed. And what they're doing right now in virtually every government school in this country, they might not call it critical theory. They might have new fancy terms because critical theory has a bad smell. But they're teaching certain children that they are oppressors. Well, your skin color might make you an oppressor if your ancestors came from Europe. Uh, if you are a male and you don't identify as some other invented gender, uh, then you are also an oppressor. Uh, if you were born in America, you are part of the oppressor class. So they've created all these different categories. And this is exactly what Chairman Mao did, by the way, in the run up right. to the the exactly. cultural revolution. You divide the kids up into oppressor and oppressed. And, and so they're telling these other kids, well, you're a victim. You're oppressed because you have a slightly darker skin or you are a female. Well, to the extent that we can even call people female anymore. Right. Um, and, and so they divide these kids up and they teach them to hate the other. So this is a classic revolutionary tactic, and we're starting to see the fruit of this now. Children are told that their parents are oppressors. Their parents are responsible for global warming. Their parents have white privilege, and that's why the rest of the world is in misery. Uh, it's incredibly dangerous what they're doing. And the goal has always been 
the revolution, right? It's not about racial justice. It's not about environmental justice. It's about the revolution. It's about destroying the old, the old family structures, the old constitutional structures, the old civilization, the old culture, and replacing it with something new. And your children, of course, are the primary vehicle, the primary weapon that they hope to use in this battle. Yeah. And um, you also uh, covered extensively, literally 10 years ago, the um, that the Chinese Communist Party is almost uh, fully in control of multiple of these global organizations. And people leave them out of the conversation all the time. I had covered last week um, live from Davos, Norbin Laden was on the ground there and she was coming on my show to report on a lot of these uh, events going on in Davos. And what nobody was reporting, maybe you and two other people, was that the Chinese Communist Party was treated at the World Economic Forum Davos event as the VIPs. They were they were lauded. They, this was not being covered on even on the, on the online that people that were getting it. You didn't see anything about the Chinese Communist Party at Davos being kind of the everyone wanted to kiss their ring. It was Chairman G's number two that was doing all the meetings there, meeting with big tech, meeting with all the politicians, with Klaus Schwab speaking, uh, Full House, and what a lot of people didn't go further towards, and which is in your book and you're talking about as well, is that they keep, they kept praising China on how they handle resources, how they 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 efficiently, efficiently handle the resources in China. And, and if you're listening to what they're saying, they're talking about people. And, and I'm listening to the, and I'm thinking, and they're clapping, they're standing, the whole room at Davos is clapping. And I'm sitting there saying, they're clapping because they're talking about communism, totally controlling the people, and then the social credit score, and everyone there is on board. Yep. And, and that is exactly where this is going, Mel. I, I think people really need to understand, if you want to look at what the future is going to be like if we don't stop this, Communist China gives you a real good model. Uh, Klaus Schwab just said last summer on Communist Chinese television that Communist China is a whole model of many countries. Um, you go back uh, 10 years before that, George Soros, who puts more money into our political process than anybody else on the planet, said in public in an interview with the Financial Times, actually with uh, Freeland, the uh, bigwig over in Canada, John Global Leaders of World Economic Forum, that communist China should own the new world order in the same way that the United States owned the old world order. And you go back before that, 1973, David Rockefeller, the, the most recently deceased patriarch of this abominable family, uh, in the New York Times, no less, in 1973, publishes an op-ed after getting back from China. It was called From a China Traveler. You can still find this on the New York Times website. He says the social experiment in China under Chairman Mao's leadership is one of the most important and successful in human history. So they are now moving very, very rapidly to turn the entire globe into basically an open air prison camp, kind of like China, with China as the role model. And this is where the education piece fits in so perfectly that people don't realize. In 2019, right before the COVID craziness started, they had the first ever UN summit on AI in education. It was held in Beijing and they praised the mass murdering dictatorship. They're the most murderous regime in all of human history for leading the way when it comes to bringing AI into the classroom. So they're showing off these little headbands that they strap on the kids to monitor their brain waves. And this data goes into the government's computers and tells the teacher, this is the direction that they're going in. And, uh, you know, even the Common Core people, I, I was really surprised by this actually, Mel, because the Common Core people bought advertisements for Americans that they paid money to put on television where they're bragging that the Common Core standards line up with international standards so that a student in Seattle, a student in Chicago will learn the same thing as a student in Shanghai. 
Now, that's not exactly true. They're not teaching transgenderism to their children. They're not teaching them to hate their own country, but they are brainwashing them to be good little cogs in this diabolical machine. And so this is what's happening, folks. China is the model. If you value freedom, if you value even just basic freedoms, like freedom of speech and and your religious liberty, you need to understand all of that's going to be gone if we don't tackle this problem. Yeah, and it's really important to understand the bigger picture of all of this is that this globalist uh, global governance movement, they need our children to not ever stand up for themselves, to not fight back, to not even know what critical thinking is. And that's why you've done a lot of work in giving alternatives and solutions to this as well in your book and in everything you do, because you show up everywhere. I always say, you know, if anyone's fighting for our children, Alex Newman is, because here he is at another event, education, educating people. You know, it's a lot of work. You have your own family, your own kids. And yet, you know that if we do not uh, tackle this right now and change course, uh, we are doomed because this is how it happen in China as well. And I wanted to um, talk a little bit about some solutions here, because as you can see, uh, not surprisingly, uh, I call it the Poison Ivy League. They are putting out paper after paper about the dangers of homeschooling. And, uh, you know, they wouldn't be doing it if they weren't scared that they're going to lose too many kids. And and there's still people out there that don't understand that homeschooling isn't you get up at eight o'clock and ring the bell for your kid to come in and you sit there from eight to three uh, <laughs> and go go through that thing. And what you've done a lot, um, I know you're doing a great event coming up with uh, Sam Sorbo um, right near me that I'm going to go to. Um, what you've been doing is educating people in options for homeschooling, what they can do, how they can take a hold, because um, one thing that, that I learned from you, especially in some other people in the homeschooling um, movement is also that, you know, a lot of people said, well, I'm going to move them to a $75,000 private school. And then, you know, then they'll be safe or a Catholic school. And then they'll be safe. But like we said earlier, that that's not really what's going on right now. The teachers are coming in there already ready to indoctrinate your child. So let's talk about some of the alternatives that you have proposed for people. Uh, well, thank you, Mel. And th- this is an issue that's near and dear to my heart. I, I always tell people, if you can homeschool, uh, it'll be the one of the best decisions you ever make in your life. It's the gold standard. I recognize not everybody can or, or wants to homeschool. And so there are other options that I think are are, are good. But uh, homeschooling really is an incredible joy. And you're right. It, it's not government school at home. People have to get rid of that idea. Right. The last thing in the world you would want to do is government school at home. Why, why hurt your children in that way, right? Um, homeschooling, good homeschooling takes maybe a few hours in a day. I mean, you're not spending six, seven, eight hours a day. You don't need to. And still, your children will be light years ahead of the victims of the government schools. Um, there are some good private schools out there, but I, I think it's really important to put out a, a major warning here. A lot of the private schools are worse than the government schools in in very serious ways. And you're going to pay $50,000, $100,000 a year for the privilege of having your children turned into woke uh, uh, lunatics that hate you. So you got to do your due diligence. You know, Catholic schools, half of them have now adopted Common Core. Half of all the dioceses in the United States have adopted Common Core for their Catholic schools. Why in the world would they do that? And why would a parent pay money to have the same dumbed down education in a Catholic school that you're getting in a government school? So uh, if you're going to send your children to a private school, do your due diligence. Um, There's a lot of questions that you need to ask, starting with basics. You know, what does the school believe? What is your philosophy of education? Why do you do education? Uh, How do you teach reading there? Um, You know, what are your core values? What kind of materials? I mean, they're your children, right? You've got to seriously do your due diligence and make sure that this is an acceptable institution with acceptable people to delegate that responsibility to. There's no do-overs as as parents, right? And we all want to do our best, but if, if you mess it up, 
Um, you, you don't get to try again. So really spend some time thinking about this, folks. Uh, I, I do believe that we need to rethink the whole thing. And so what I do at the end of the book and in, in a very long afterward is I, I go back and look at the type of education that existed in America before the government camel nose got under the tent. And uh, it, it's light years apart. And it worked so much better. So uh, there are lots of good options, but I, I would urge every parent out there, even grandparents, yeah. anything you have to sacrifice to get your children out of the public schools, it will be a worthwhile sacrifice. And, and I say only half kidding, I would live in a cardboard box before I would send my children to public school. So parents, please think about this, pray about it and protect your children. Yeah, and one of the things that these um these Harvard uh, anti homeschooling people are saying is, oh, your kid won't be socialized. Your kids won't have, you know, uh, won't have the all these social skills. They won't know how to do this and that. There are so many options out there for that. And I know Alex also because I have friends in New York City. You know, it's it's crazy in New York that they um they upped the vaccine schedule about a year and a half. I'm sh and now I look at everything and I think, oh, I see how that worked. You know, they were trying to figure it out uh, about a year and a half before COVID. And uh, friends of mine, more than one group of friends, one friend who has five kids in different grades under, you know, under 11, they pulled their kids out because of that. But then they found other families around that also did this and they all aligned together and they all shared the responsibility. Some of them brought in teachers that were, you know, aware of what you're talking about and still wanted to educate children and do that. So there's also opportunities to create networks that you talk about as well. That is a great option as if you can't, you know, if you have to work two, two jobs the father and the mother. And the, there's ways to do that that are collaborative, which is also very cool. And then, of course, there's so many after school activities. I mean, I left school. I went to, to my own whatever I was doing. It wasn't my my, you know, socialization wasn't my school base. There's so many options. But um, that idea of getting together with other homeschooling parents and creating kind of a pod is another option out there. Yeah. And I encourage everybody involved in homeschooling to be involved with other families. You know, we, we do two, sometimes three co-ops every year. So at least two days of the week, our children are with other children. Uh, of course, parents are expected to be involved to some extent. But, yep. you know, if you and your and your wife or you and your husband both have to work, that's a really, really good opportunity to, to have them make friends, to have them hang out with other adults that you know and that you trust, to have them learn from different people who maybe have different areas of expertise and, uh, you know, that, that is increasingly the norm in homeschooling. You find very, very few homeschool families that aren't involved in some of these co-op things. So even parents who, who think they can't handle it on their own, don't worry. You know, what yeah. doesn't matter what community you're in. Look around. You'll find co-ops. You'll find pods. You'll find all sorts of resources for homeschool families. Not all of them might be a perfect fit, but some of them will be. So get involved with those. Um, you know, we we are part of Classical Conversations. There's a national one. They've got communities all over the country. We're part of another local one here where every family kind of pitches in a little bit. I taught uh, American history and world history a couple of years ago. My wife is teaching civics this year. Uh, we love it. And, uh, you know, it gives parents a little bit of a break. It lets your children hang out with other children and, and yep. make uh, friendships that will last a lifetime. And, and good socialization, not the kind that you're going to have in a government school like, hey, man, take some of these drugs drugs or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, it's positive socialization that really will contribute to a better life down the road. Yeah, my friends, they were taking turns, taking the kids to like the Museum of Natural History and going, which is now woke, unfortunately, but and going through <laughs> it and teach and using that as a tool. There's just so many options and it's really great. And and I've been all over the country as you have. I've met so many homeschooled students that are so brilliant and way ahead of their time, ahead of the people. And every time I meet one, I think, oh, my God, you know, it's just it's tailored to the child. It really brings out that. Now, um, before I let you go, I want to talk about one more thing that people are not uh, fully uh, taking seriously in my mind. Um, 
a lot of what Common Core, how that entered into the uh, psyche is when we were still kids, uh, Bill Gates and Oprah and everyone, they're giving out laptops to kids. They're giving out, Bill Gates is giving out laptops to schools. A lot of people don't realize Bill Gates. And before that, the other Robert Mueller uh, of World Curriculum, then Common Core, then Bill Gates is involved with the Lucis Trust people and all this stuff. This was not an accident. He wasn't just being a philanthropist, philanthropath, as I call them, uh, giving out uh, <laughs> laptops and, uh, and tablets. Um, the one thing that I think parents really have to understand is that the data is one thing, but we don't know. I say to everyone that doesn't understand the digital gulag that is being created around us in, in real time, uh, the people that still think it's super cool to put their hands on a, on a, uh, Amazon to go and think that that data stays with Amazon to go, uh, or, or the people that are getting the retina scan to get on a plane faster. You know, these are things, but when it comes to your children and especially with everyone getting school issued laptops, uh, the other part of that is there's a back end to that of many, many companies. I was you were warning about it. So was I during covid when people had to go onto the Google homeschool and um, and also Zoom school that there were companies, corporations, multinational corporations, many involved partners of the World Economic Forum and other groups like that, that were getting your child's data for reasons you do not know. So for me, I always say, well, well, OK, your your kids on homeschooling or, or not homeschooling on um, Zoom school or, or Google school. What other companies are getting the information about your child? And so there's there's a, a convenience factor that is really not about convenience. It's really about not just control, but also monetizing your child's data. It absolutely is. And you know the, the data, they say, is now worth more than anything else, right? Data is the new oil. Data is the new gold. Uh, and it is, right? They're going to make massive amounts of money off of it. And and parents should be aware of that. They're giving. The, they're not just selling this data to people for advertising. They're giving it to the government. Yes. They're giving it to whoever wants it to the big pharmaceutical companies. Uh, and and even more disturbing to me is how they're using this data to supercharge their manipulation and their indoctrination. Um, th th people don't realize the data is a critical feedback mechanism for their brainwashing programs. That's how they determine whether the brainwashing is effective. That's how they determine whether they need to do more. You know, they call it now personalized education and individualized right. education. What they mean is, well, if the brainwashing isn't working in this particular area, we're going to bombard you with even more to make sure you believe what we want you to believe. And the, the data is absolutely critical, folks. This is all going into your child's future social credit score. All of it is being data mined. All of it's going to be processed by AI. If we don't stop this very soon, Big Brother will know your children better than you know them by a long shot. And uh, if that doesn't frighten you, you haven't been paying attention the last few years. Exactly, exactly. But I think a lot of people are. And if they're not, they're starting to get it. I mean, I'm watching it everywhere I go. So I know that that's happening. But a lot of people know something's terribly wrong and don't have the answers. And I assure you, uh, Alex Newman has a lot more answers than almost anyone else out there. Can you tell uh, my audience not just where to buy the book, uh, but also where to follow you. You have you're doing amazing work all over the place. I don't know. You, you, there's there's not enough hours in the day for what you're doing. So if you could tell my audience and please please follow him. And and if you are a parent or if you're not a parent, but you have friends that have children, you're a grandparent. Buy this book and share it with everyone you can. It is so crucial that people understand what is happening to our children. Um, so go ahead, uh, Alex. Uh, well, thank you, Mel. Okay, so uh, the the book is available on my website, LibertySentinel.org. Um, people can order it there. I'll send you a signed copy if you want. It's also if if you prefer the fast, easy way, you can just go to Amazon or you know the bookstores and stuff. Um, so that that's their um, easiest way to follow me is my website, LibertySentinel.org. We send out a newsletter uh, twice a week, absolutely free. 
Um, and uh, you can find me on X. It's Alex Newman underscore J-O-U. And we're on Rumble now. We do a lot of different, Great. we do a radio show, TV show, all kinds of stuff like that. But uh, really appreciate you having me on, Mel. Thank you so much for all that you do for God and for our country and for future generations. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, sir. You're amazing. And uh, keep up the great work. And God bless you and your family because you have a very supportive family and wife that uh, let you do what you do. Uh, and, and you go everywhere and you really show up. A lot of people talk, but not a lot of people show up like you do. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. God bless you, too. Everyone's been asking me what I've been doing because I am in better shape than I've been uh, probably maybe in my life and I am now thriving and I have so much energy. I'm going around, I'm doing all these tours and I'm doing the show and I'm showing up at small events and big events and I'll tell you the one thing that's definitely changed my life is superfoods. Mel Cake Superfoods. When I got involved with superfoods in the beginning, I was not eating right. I was not sleeping right. I was not, uh, it was mid-COVID so I wasn't really doing much and I was doing a lot of things wrong and then I found superfoods and it has changed me from the inside out. Not only have I dropped weight, which wasn't even the goal, I really wanted to detox, I wanted to help my immune system, I wanted to make sure I didn't get sick while a lot of other people were and superfoods came into my life and changed everything. I now think about what I'm eating, I don't have cravings, I don't eat late night. There's a whole protocol, it's so easy, it's laid out for you, you take it out of the box, it's there. All your food's taken care of, all your nutrients, all your energy, all your protein. It is an amazing way to change your life from the inside out. Superfoods changes everything. It gives you a protocol, it gives you a schedule. You know what to do, you know what you're eating, you feel great, you look great, your life's getting better. And the one thing I know is you can go to themelkshow.com, go down to Superfoods and you can start your journey. Because today is the day. I will tell you, I waited and I waited. And then I started Superfoods. And within three months, my entire life changed uh, for the better, more than I could have imagined. MelKShow.com, go to Partners page, down to Superfoods, and click on the link. And you will find a whole new world that will change your mind, change your body, change your life. So when you get Superfoods, that helps me and helps this show keep going. I cannot tell you how much it's changed my life for the better, and it will yours too. And enjoy the rest of the show. Mel K Superfoods. Get over there now. There's no time like the present. Oh, I hope you're enjoying the show. I was just talking on my new Patriot mobile service. I have to tell you, I'm so excited. They are incredible. They are America first. They, they align with my values. And you know what? It's unlimited minutes, unlimited text, Wi-Fi calling, unlimited data, high speed, everything that you could use, just like everyone else. We have our time, we have our vote, and we have our money. And the great thing about Patriot Mobile is your service will be exactly the same. Difference with Patriot Mobile is they are an America first company. And what they do is they reinvest their money into causes that matter to me and matter to you and matter to this nation. At Patriot Mobile, those causes are the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, the Constitution, and our children's future. So please go to themelkshow.com. Patriot Mobile is a partner of ours. Please use the code MELK. What I can tell you too is that they are supporting me and they are supporting creators because they believe in the First Amendment. They believe that censorship is wrong and they are gonna put their money where their mouth is. Do what you can for the creators out there that are doing what I'm doing. Please go to Patriot Mobile, Mel K Show. All I can say is thank you so much, guys. Supporting my partners supports me and Patriot Mobile is absolutely awesome. I checked them out. We're switching to Patriot Mobile and we hope you do too. Thank you so much.